Welcome. The sermon this morning is a continuation of a sermon that I started about a month ago entitled, What is Necessary? And one of the beginning concepts that we looked at a week ago, a month ago was the statement, um, to simplify means to eliminate the unnecessary so that the necessary may speak. So we're talking about what's necessary, what's unnecessary, and the value of things in life and how we should respond to them. And I guess if you want to hear the first half of this sermon, you can go to PrayMennoniteChurch.org and listen to that in audio. So this is a continuation of that message this morning. And we are going to talk about what is necessary and the, and the temptation that we have of, of wanting to accumulate the unnecessary. So what happens when we are focused on accumulating the unnecessary? One of the things that happens is that we, we find it difficult to, to grow in, in the Christian graces. We find that in Matthew 13, we have the parable of the sower, and we have the seed going into the ground, the one among the thorns, and then the good ground, and etc. And, and the Bible says in, in Matthew there that, that the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches caused a lack of fruit in, in those situations. And so, we have to, we have to address the fact, we have to address the, the simple concept that if we're focusing on accumulation of the unnecessary, something else is going, something else is going to suffer. And, and one of the, one of the things that's, that suffers is, is time. Uh, we have, no time. We don't have time for Bible reading. We don't have time for prayer, uh, prayer meeting, uh, spiritual activities, maybe Bible school or voluntary service. Those type of things suffer because of our focus on the wrong. And you know, we, we can only do certain amount of things, certain amount, with the, the amount of time we have. And so, so if we are obsessing with the unnecessary, Something else is going to uh, suffer, and so if I find myself as one of God's children saying words coming out of my mouth that I don't have time for this, I don't have time for that, then then uh, maybe we should just back up a little bit, and maybe we should we should ask ourselves some serious questions about. Um, the, the values that we're embracing in life. One of the, uh, okay, so if we're going to embrace the necessary, we need to decide what the necessary is. Um, a short list of things we would say is necessary. Uh, would be holiness, uh, love, faith, hope, um, 
Christ-likeness, purity, honesty. Those things are necessary as a Christian. That, that, that is, those things, I mean, the list could be a lot longer, but, but those things are some of the core values that make a Christian who they are. And, and behave the way they do. And so, if I am obsessed with the unnecessary, see, I can't do the unnecessary and the necessary together because I don't have time. Okay, so, if I'm going to address, if I'm going to embrace the necessary, then the unnecessary must go. So, if, if I'm not addressing holiness, then I'm going to be a person that is carnal, and a person that loves self, a person that loves doing my thing. If, if, I, if I'm not obsessed with the necessary, but I'm obsessed with the non- unnecessary, then my love is going to, to uh, suffer. I'm going to love the world. I'm going to love the things of the world. And, and so, and the Bible is very clear that, that, the unne- that, that we can't love both. In fact, it's very, it, it just simply says, the love of the world is at enmity with God. And another one that I mentioned was faith. If I don't have faith in God, then I'm going to be trusting in uncertain riches or material things. Something is going to save me. Um, hope. If I hope that if I hope that material things are going to carry me through all the uncertainties of life. I'm going to be greatly disappointed. Uh, the Bible says, if we only have hope in this life, we're, we're, we're miserable people. And so, if, 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 if I'm not pursuing Christ's life, then I'm going to pattern my life after the world. And if, if I'm not pursuing honesty, then I'm going to be driving shady deals. I'm going to make sure that every deal that I have, I'm involved in, and I'm going to be the one that that is um, going to come out shining. If I focus on getting the things that don't matter, I believe I limit God and His ability to give me the things that do matter. Is God going to give me something that I'm not really interested in? Is, you know, we weren't made. God did not make us primarily. He just just didn't make us to be pursuing the things of the world. Why should my focus be on dust when God made me to be focused in glory? You know, we may say, though, well, you know, but the, but the peer pressure, you know, everybody's doing it. You know, everybody's, you know, you just got to get more and get more and accumulate more. And 
and, and, and I, I find myself caving in. You know, when I go to Gander Mountain or I go to somewhere else, you know, and, and I'm walking around, I find myself caving in. Well, uh, wait a minute, why do I cave in? Well, John Kovacs in Bible school, and I think I've probably said this over the pulpit here before, but he says, the problem is not peer pressure. That is not the problem. The problem is peer vacuum. You know, if I don't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life and finding myself satisfied in my relationship with God, I'm going to have a vacuum here, and when I do that, then the pressure around me is going to be so much greater. But if I have a greater pressure within me, I won't find myself caving in. And that, that concept has really been a challenge to me. So then we may ask ourselves, how does uh, pursuing the unnecessary make me behave? How, how, what do I look for? Well, one of the things to look for is rivalry. So if I find myself being in conflict with other people, uh, you know, it, it's really juvenile when it comes to to things. I mean, it, this man, the scripture said, "Hey, my brother's got. I mean, I got a problem with my brother and the heritage and all this kind of stuff." And and you know, he's not being fair. And you now you got to speak to my brother and all this and. What he's doing, he's just replicating childhood behavior. And it's like, oh, well, that's my tractor, that's my car, that's my dolly, or that's my trike, or that's my, you know, it's like, it's mine. So if I find myself in rivalry, I need to ask myself, why is it so important? Why, why do I get all shook up when somebody else is first, or somebody has more than I do, or somebody else this or that? Another thing, the behavior that happens is that, that we become obsessed with the future. Okay, so... So I'm here today, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the future. And, and probably all of us have done that. You know, it's like, okay, so, you know, the question comes up, says, well, how much money do you need to retire, you know? And somebody said, oh, you know, well, you need at least 300000 next And you, next next uh, article you read, so well, you can't get by with less than a million dollars. I mean, you're going to retire, you at least have a million dollars. So, and, and all this, and, and, and we... We try to accumulate beyond our present needs. But the scripture very clearly says, that having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. So what then is contentment? What is the definition of contentment? What do I have to do to be content? Brother Ray Hoover, just a couple of, I don't know, like five weeks ago or so, something like that, uh, asked us, right here in this 
auditorium, are you content with your lot in life? And I don't know if he's a prophet or a son of a prophet or whatever, but I mean, that, that's, that's very valid right now. It's like, are you content with your lot in life? Are you content to sit at home? When they told you, you have to sit at home. Are you content with that? Are you content with what God give you, has given you? Or do I'm always looking around and saying, well, that person has more, and so I wish I was like him, or if I had this, I would be okay. Um, Lester Miller, uh, from Life Ministries, he's going to reward now, but back uh, somewhere in the 80s, he had a... He had a uh, a financial seminar at, at Pilgrim in Ohio, and he saved me a pile of money. I mean, over my lifetime, he has saved me so much money in the last 30 years. If he was here, I think I'd call him up and thank him. But And, and he said, if you're, if you're tempted to buy something that's unnecessary, now I'm not talking about you need new brake shoes for your car or whatever. I'm talking about something you, it'd be nice to have, but you don't really have to. So, okay, so, so what it, it's, it's an optional thing. It might be handy, it might be very legitimate, whatever. And if you're tempted to buy that, just tell yourself, I'll wait three weeks. And I have done that so many times where I say, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wait three weeks. And almost invariably, three weeks from then, when I think back what that was, I can't even remember. I can't even remember what it was. So then I have to then I have to make the conclusion that probably my want of that I want was just kind of based on content. And I believe that in our culture today, advertising is just basically a, a, a method to try to get you to be discontent. So you buy something. Another temptation is just uh, living a lifestyle level or a, a financial level higher than is necessary. I buy unnecessarily expensive food or unnecessarily expensive clothes or purchase unnecessarily expensive house or I buy a unnecessarily expensive car, vehicle, I take on long, unnecessarily expensive vacations. Um, that's, that's a temptation that we have. Do we know the difference between what is necessary and what is luxury? Probably extremely difficult in our culture today. Extremely difficult. Or just become lazy. You know, the same thing, okay, lust expresses itself in many different ways. Okay, lust expresses itself in rivalry. Lust expresses itself in purchases. Lust expresses itself in immorality. Lust expresses itself in a lot of things. And the same lust always leads us downward. So sometimes 
we can recognize one level of lust, or one type of lust, very easily, but miss another type of lust. And so, if I'm longing for the unnecessary, that is a road that goes down. It is what we call a dead-end street. Another way it reveals itself, uh, pursuit of the unnecessary, um, we, we tend to become unfaithful in, in, in the Lord's work, in the Lord's interest, in the Lord's direction. Uh, in Luke 16, one to fourteen, there is a story of the unjust steward. Pardon me. The unjust steward, and in verse thirteen, Jesus makes a statement. Again, very simple, a very profound. He says, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one, despise the other. He cannot serve God and man. And the Pharisees, get this, and the Pharisees, maybe the Mennonites and them. All right, the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. What do you know about it? It got him fired up because he hit a hot-button issue there. And he said to them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your heart. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. And so there's only two interests. Alright? The things of this world commands. Alright? God commands. Jesus says, you can't serve two commanders. You can worship one, you can worship the other, but you cannot worship both. It's just impossible. Jesus made it clear. And we got to get that clear. I have to get that clear in my mind. That you can serve everyone, but you can serve God, and you can have money as your servant. Another thing that, that, that shows that we are pursuing the unnecessary it is when I just simply become blind and deaf to the, to the needs of those around me. Luke 16, um, we have a story of the rich man Lazarus, a person that was pursuing the unnecessary, very greedy, very self-interested, self-preserved, and he found himself in a situation that was very grave. And he wished they could send somebody to his brothers. 
And Jesus says, they have the truth. They have the information. So then, how do I avoid pursuing the unnecessary? I need to trust God for my present needs, my daily needs. We need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is in stark contrast to trusting God for my daily needs. I mean, trusting the world for my daily needs. Trusting the things of this earth. God promises that if we put him first and we follow his methods, that he will take care of us. I wonder sometimes how long term our missionaries would be for how many more missionaries there would be if we believe this verse. Is it possible that the missionary effort or the people that are that are crucial in, in, in carrying out the gospel and the work of the church, is it possible that there is a scarcity, an unnecessary scarcity, because the question may come, well, if I'm a missionary all my life, and I, you know, I get to get 60, 70 or something, and, you know, I'm kind of worn out, and I want to go back home, and it's like, what am I going to have a live on? And, and there was a brother from CLP, and I were driving, uh, this was years and years ago, and, and, and he said, people worry about that. So, you know, it's like, they, they tell him, it's like, okay, he's working CLP, he says, like, what are you going to do when you get old? Like, where are you going to get your money? And he said, I don't worry about that. He said, I simply don't worry about it. He said, I, I you know, if God's big enough to take care of me now, he's big enough to take care of me when I get old. And I'm sitting in the car, and I'm thinking, yeah, but he's going to pay the bills. But you know what? If we follow God, God is big enough to take care of us. Now, I can't explain how that's all going to work. But it, uh, it, it's God will. We're not left to blind chance. Because God knows us, God knows his children, and he knows how to provide for them. I don't think we get reckless with this concept, but I don't think we should throw it out the window either. Because he said, look at the birds. I'm taking care of the birds. I'm taking, look at the lilies. Check them out. I'm taking care of them too. And so, if we seek to promote, promote the kingdom of God as life's highest priorities, that's really what matters. 
God will take care of the details. And those details are in the same plan of God as it says that you need to trust me. And that doesn't put an age limit on it either. Whether you're young or whether you're old, uh, all this harmonizes because we're investing in a kingdom that never fails. The, 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 the economy of God's kingdom isn't going to go broke. So, what kingdom are we depending on? Okay, so, so for example, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm depending on this kingdom to take care of my needs when I get old, get I, when I get old, what happens if the economy collapses? What happens if you have 2,000% uh, inflation in one year, like we have in some other countries. What happens when your $20 bill is only worth 50 cents three years later? What happens? You see, we need to choose the kingdom. And the kingdom that we choose is the kingdom we can trust. If it's God's kingdom. And we've got to be aware, we have to be we have to uh, think through the question whose kingdom am I committed to and whose kingdom am I building? Am I building my own kingdom based on the things that I accumulate here or am I building on God's kingdom? His kingdom or our kingdom? So then the question comes, what are my treasures? Do I have earthly treasures or are my treasures in heaven? Jesus says that we should sell off the ex excess. And invest in the Lord's work. How much have I invested in the kingdom of God? Do I have time? Am I holding on? Am I willing to surrender the excess? Am I willing To be what God wants to be me to be, and there was a the story is given there uh, of of the young man that came to Jesus, and, and he says to Jesus, you know, I said I, you know, uh, I, I kept the commandments and I did all these good things, and and I he loved the Lord with his heart and above everything else, and and uh, he uh, yeah he was a good man, okay, and, but 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 something was nagging at. Obviously something was nagging at him, or else he wouldn't ask the question. And, and he said, so what, black eye, yeah, 
What? What? He obviously had a boy. What? What lack I get? And Jesus said, "Sell off what you have and, and give to the poor." And he turned away and walked away. An interesting thing about that. That, that transaction between him and Jesus, that discussion, Jesus didn't chase it. He, he, he didn't say, no, wait, wait, wait a minute, you know, I, 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 let, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Uh, maybe you don't have to sell everything, maybe just, uh, maybe one fourth. He didn't bicker, he didn't negotiate. But somehow or the other, even in his loving the Lord, even as he, and as he did the commandments of God, there was this material thing that was ouchy, that was touchy, and that, that he couldn't give up. So how do I, how do I understand all these things? I, I think we need to go to God. I think we need to be honest with God. I, I, need, I think we need to um, seek for personal purging of, of the desire to just want more and more and more of, of the things of the world. You know, Jesus is coming. And, and that's a pretty sobering thought. And when Jesus comes, and we're all taken to judgment, and we're, he's not going to say, um, you know, how many motorhomes you have. He's not going to say, how big is your bank account? He's not going to say, you know, did you drive a Volkswagen, or did you drive an Escalade? You know, he's not, not going to say that. You see, because, because, like we talked about in the others, previous sermon, the, the things of this world do not constitute, constitute life, and so even though they are important, in order to get by, we've got to, you know, have a house, we have to have a car, we have this, uh, you know, it's, all those things are set aside, and then we talk about life. So Christ is coming, and in order to prepare for Christ's return, I just can't be, I simply can't be focused on the things of this world. Or I'm going I'm to be unprepared for his return. And I need to actively search for, the, uh, work for the salvation of other people. You know, we don't have time. We don't have much time. We need to live in anticipation of Christ's return. And I think if we have that perspective, that someday there is going to be a great divide, the division of the material from the spiritual, and the spiritual is the only thing that we're going to stand on. Now, how we manage the material is going to be part of that, is going to affect how we are judged, because the Bible talks about, you know, if you see this, you know, how, how, does, how does the love of God, 
how, how is the love of God shown if you don't do anything for anybody? And Jesus said, you know, uh, the least of these, you've done it unto me. So that does play into the picture, okay? That, that is part of the spiritual, our, our spiritual walk with God. But one of these days is going to be a, a grand separation. And I'd just like to challenge us. I'd just like to challenge us. As, as God's people, what is necessary? Am I willing to simplify and eliminate the unnecessary so that the necessary may speak. And brothers and sisters, that necessary is following God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. May God bless you.